running into first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Torn to five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds with the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? Hello, and welcome everybody to the breakdown. Yes, it is at TSN underscore Marsh at DT on SC is on the other side of the chat as always as we fire it up for you on a late week edition of the breakdown talking rule changes. Yep, the news yeah. of the week right here. Originally, honestly, we were going to do an episode uh, because it's one of the more interesting offseason storylines of the curious case of Nick Arbuckle, which perhaps mm. we will do that in a future episode. But then, of course, the CFL decided hey, let's go ahead and change some of the uh, the things that define our Canadian game. There's lots of things discussed, of course, this offseason. Some of them were implemented. The bigger ones, I would argue, were not, which I think many people will be applauding at this point. But DT, how did you receive the news? What was your guttural instinct when you read, oh, look, there's a list of things that are changing about how we will define our game? I, I, I My thought was, uh, doesn't the season start in four minutes? Like we're changing the rules this close to the season. I've talked to some people because uh, I was curious about it. They said, oh, well, I knew I, I'd heard about this a month before the announcement. So I thought, oh, OK, well, if special teams coaches can be working on an offensive coordinators knew this was coming. Oh, OK, just that it gets announced this week and preseason is under, you know, first preseason games under a month away. I thought, oh. Interesting, interesting timing. But yeah. uh, as long as long as the important people knew well enough in advance to prepare for moving the hash marks and fifteen yard no yards and on and on and on, I'm okay with how how it played out then. Yeah, I uh, I had a moment at the CFL Combine, which was obviously early March, uh, in which there were a couple of personnel guys sitting around, and we were actually going through and discussing some of the different players, and then. A different personnel man walked over from a different team, sat down, and one of the first things he said was, so what do you guys think? And everybody was kind of like, hey, man. It was like, because I'm I'm like a commoner sitting amongst all of the scouts and the GMs and stuff. And he's what do you think? Nobody really said anything. He goes, sounds like we could be playing a pretty different game by tomorrow morning. And when he said that, I was like, "Hmm?" because I thought that that meant ratio I thought that that meant like more for the naturalized Canadians or whatever that might have meant. Uh, but looking back on it now, it's obvious that like four downs was off the table. Um, so yeah. some of the crazier ratio restrictions or open adaptations were off the table. And it was pretty obvious now looking at that they were going, okay, it's a different game because we're going to end up changing the dimension, not the dimensions of our field, but um, the aspects of our field within uh, the the usual field of play on them. So I, I'm excited to, to hear from you, honestly, in this podcast, DT, mm-hmm. because I know that you have such great information and it's not the only reason why people are going to love you on Bombers broadcast on CJOB. Uh, but for me, I got all this throw data. I got us all, all this lo- location stuff, but you have more stuff on receivers and where they line up and where targets go to receivers at certain parts of the field. And so I'm interested to hear from you uh, what some of these aspects are but before we get there because i've been a book guy all winter 
this right. was the, this was the first thought that I had. Okay, I read a, a book called The Art of Groundedness. Okay, this winter, and it's basically just about how to not get super stressed or overwhelmed by anything when it happens. And when I saw a quote from Mike O'Shea of the Bombers saying, yeah, we need excitement. We need excitement in our game. And Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner, is constantly saying, I want 49-49 with a minute to go. And, you know, both teams can still touch the ball. And it's craziness and it's excitement. And excitement is great and excitement this and excitement that. There's a quote from this Art of Groundedness book that says, uh, <laughs> these principles do not go hand in hand. Ease manifests when you are fully in the moment. Letting things happen on their own time, neither forcing nor rushing a process. Excitement has a different texture. Excitement is contracting. It narrows your world. Your focus is on what comes next, always a few steps ahead of where you are. Excitement temporarily feels good, and there is no doubt that bursts of excitement add texture to your life. But if you are obsessively trying to generate the feeling or force excitement, you may miss out on what is in front of you because you are already moving ahead. Ease, on the other hand, is expansive. Time slows and space widens. You must distinguish happiness from excitement, writes Zen master Tik Hyun Hat, I think is how you say this. Uh, many, many people think of excitement as happiness. They are thinking of something or expecting something that they consider to be happiness, and for them, that is already happiness. But when you are excited, you are not at peace. True happiness is not based on pure excitement. So when I, <laughs> that was my very yeah. phil philosophical thought because I read that passage this winter. I was like, where's that thing on excitement equaling happiness? <laughs> because I'm like, are people going to innately, and maybe this is just where we'll begin, are people innately going to be happier if we end up getting more excitement, more points, more yards, more because the game has been structurally changed in order to allow for, which even on the Calgary Stampeders preseason conference call, John Huffnagel said, I, he was interested in four downs because he said, I'm not, he said, I'm not a super smart guy, but I do realize that if we give our offenses an extra opportunity, they're going to have less three outs. They're going to stay on the field. They're going to score more points as the game goes on. And for me, I've constantly said, I've been in this camp of giving somebody an extra opportunity to do something does not make them yeah. better. It, it's just a false no. version of what we would have had in front of ourselves. Well, and, and that, that on that exact one, we would waste a fourth down by having more running plays on first down. Yeah. We would absolutely waste it. We'd come the NFL in that way instead of going, oh, you know what? We got two second and mediums. And they'd think of this as, well, we're just going to run the ball on first down. Nonsense. It's way better to throw the ball. Just throw the ball more. Anything that encourages more throwing of the football, bring, bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, um, yeah. More, more points sound great. Um, are we overreacting to one down year, one total outlier year i just pulled it up as we were talking 49 and a half points per game in 2019 was down to 43 in 2021 it, anybody watched it was significantly different there was a lot less scoring you yeah. could feel it 2018 was 51 it's been 53 a bunch of years are we overreacting to one down year is my my ultimate overall point uh then on the other side i go eh, you know what none of the rule changes are so offensive or have changed the game so dramatically that I'm bothered by them. Even if they just went, ah, you know what, we're just going to do, we're going to move that. We're going to narrow the hash marks. And uh, we're tired of these no yards, the special teams coaches exploiting the no yards rule. So it's going to be all 15. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 49.5 down to 43.2 playoffs included last year is I think probably the big driver behind all of this. What I found interesting about, and this was kind of like, I bring up this quote and have this conversation to kick things off today, because my mm -hmm. personal, my personal journey through this has been 
you know, I'm, I try not to be resistant to change. I like to consider myself an open-minded person. However, I do love our game. I do love the way that the CFL field looks. I do a lot of things about it that I enjoy. And I was thinking about this excitement equaling happiness quote and the idea that if we just generate more, 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 does that actually mean that we are more entertained? Or are, are the people that are educated in this going, well, no, you just, you, you tweaked it. But then like you're saying, the changes came down. And I was like, well, they're really not violent enough changes for me to be resistant to this. It really doesn't yeah. change all that much, which I know we'll get into when it comes to wide side receivers and how much more active they can be. And then <laughs> and the, this was the funny moment for me that I feel like was a very human realization is I'm like, I don't know how I feel about I don't, I'm not a big fan of these changes. And I don't think that ah, the hashes, I like the way the feel is. And then when I saw the actual numbers on the piece on the press release, where it was like, we're going to move it from 24 to 28 yards. It's going to be a four yard difference on each side. For some yeah. reason, there was a part of me that was like, I, if I take a lunging step, that's four yards. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's literally the difference between a receiver, like a wide receiver lining up like this. And then like taking that two step walk down the line of scrimmage and then setting up again. And yeah. so the idea of like, yeah, your splits are going to change a little bit. And yes, you're going to end up having some different route concepts. But it is the difference between Greg Ellingson, right, having to waggle to the post on a three-man cluster of 27 yards away or 23 yards away. It's like, man, yeah. it is really not going to change as much as I think a lot of people think it will. Well, I know. I was going to ask you, uh, people people, and all the coaches I've seen quoted have said, oh, big changes. It's going to be fantastic for that wide side. I'll phrase it to you this way, and it will give away what I think. <laughs> Is moving the hash mark in four yards to make offensive changes malarkey or not malarkey? It's, it's, it's malarkey. Yeah, it's malarkey. It and I'll bust out some numbers, but um, it was it was described to me. I was just it was a brief conversation with 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 John Hodge of Three Our Nation online, mm -hmm. and I said I don't think four yards makes a difference. And he said, Oh no, it's eight yard. It's eight yards because the hash mark comes in and the guy. But no, no. Like that receiver, it's it's four yards closer to the middle of the field. If an offensive coordinator wants that Z, that wide side receiver, to have the same splits, it makes no difference. If the wide side wide receiver is going to be located inside those far numbers, he's now four yards closer. So it's it's a matter of 12 feet, to your point. Uh, plus, you get four yards more on that boundary side. Um, do you want me to hit up, hit up some numbers? Of, yeah, I do. I do. I just, I want to throw this out there before we dive into sure. some of the background on it, that when I started trying to apply the legitimate changes that can, that will take hold with those four yards, because I don't want to downplay it. It is a change to the game, but at the same time, it's like, I understand spacing and timing on offense and it's not that you know i saw a meme this morning on twitter of somebody saying you know i'm actually a bit of an offensive coordinator myself um you know i do not claim to understand it at that high of a level but i've been in a cfl training camp i still have my 2013 calgary stampeders playbook i have on those early pages in that playbook every single formation and where the splits are and where you line up it's very very specific like it's it is finite where if you are at the top of the numbers in a certain formation and you're supposed to be at the bottom of the numbers, Dickinson's going to rip you. Like he, he knows cause he's been running this stuff forever. And so, you know, the, the numbers and outside obviously is not going to change, but in terms of where you're identifying with the hash marks, that's where the difference is going to come. And so I started thinking, well, what are the actual throws in the CFL game that are going to be altered? And really the ones that I think are going to benefit the most and the first one that came to my mind 
was tunnel screens and quick screens. Because now you're going to end up having, you know, your ball is on the left hash and you've squeezed it in four yards. And you, it's always this bang, bang play of play action across your face, rip it out, a little smoke screen into the boundary. And now that boundary is like, yeah, the corner's still in the same spot. The half is in the same spot otherwise. But the defensive end, in theory, is squeezed in four yards. And, yeah. it, and it's always a race on that play. Like the smoke is a good example, tunnel screens, bubble screens. Anything that is going quick game, horizontal, get it in the receiver's hands where they have to then turn up, it's always a race as to how quickly can I get my offensive lineman out to block downfield versus how quickly you can get your outside linebacker or defensive end to turn and run and close off the alley. And now you've got four yards. Again, it's not a big difference, but those plays when they hit are often because you have a small window that you burst through and the timing has to be perfect where it's snap, play action, rip it to the sideline, catch it. Offensive lineman goes and gets the corner. Uh, slot back goes and gets the halfback and you turn up and you have to make that D end or outside linebacker miss before you get the free safety coming down to kill you. But you have to make that first person miss and to have that four yards of space. That was the first tangible throw that came to my mind where I'm like, lucky whitehead. Yeah. Like, like that's going to be absolutely huge. Rashid Bailey in Winnipeg and games you're calling, he's going to get a bunch of those. Now you're going to see, yep. I, I think the quick game has obviously been a, a revolution and an even bigger part of the CFL in the last decade. I think this change is going to reinforce the idea that if we're going to get four yards given to us in terms of spacing where we can turn a knife, they're going to use that more and more and more. And that's going to be drilled to death in training camp for defenders to try and turn and run and get out there. Because if you do not hustle your ass to the sideline to get out there, there's going to be alleys that did not exist previously. Well, and, and what you what you laid out right there so well is the exact opposite of how it's getting played, right? This That four yards, that's for the Z receiver. No, no, what you just said is the completely the opposite side of the field, right? That's the uh, Shaq Evans, Darvin Adams, uh, Rasheed Bailey, Duke Williams, uh, yeah. Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham side of the field. We've made, we've made the boundary side larger. So now I'm curious to see what safeties will do. Do safeties yeah. just squeeze over the top and now there's more space for those guys and, and more of the guys we didn't think, well, at least we're not being sold that we're helping. Are we actually helping? And are we helping the quick game as opposed to, uh, as opposed to, you know, that Zed receiver, that wide side, wide receiver. Did we really do the opposite or were we always trying to do the opposite is, is, uh, is super interesting. In, um, uh, in the preseason, I'll be really interested to see the location of free safeties and, yeah, and seeing absolutely. like if you're playing in a, in a, a base cover two, if you're playing a base, base, you don't get a lot of base cover one, cover three kind of stuff, but like, if you're going to get quarters coverage, for example, like, and, you know, are you going to play it into the boundary? Or are you going to be off that hash? Are you going to be wider and outside? Are you going to lean to the inside of the hash? Because there's really no, I mean, if you're playing a cover four, your landmarks have changed defensively now where it's not just going to be outside of the hashes and watch the middle of the field. It's going to be like, well, outside of the hashes, we're standing nine yards apart. That's, yeah. two, that's two people covering the same piece of real estate. So I know that there's discussion about this opening up things for the wide side here, which we'll get to in just a second. I keep teasing. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, the idea of, Yes, the free safeties have to be rangier. The angles have changed. There is more room to breathe for those wider, wide receivers. But I really think offensive coordinators, especially early in the season, 
they're going to play off that idea of, wow, the free safety has so much more room to cover and the ball's more in the middle of the field. And they're going to take that and use that against defenders where they're going to say, oh, we're going yeah. to, nope, tunnel screen, bang. And then it's like, it's, you're trying to use those alleys and that room in that space. So uh, location of free safeties, if you go to a CFL preseason game, which I will, I'll be Hamilton, Toronto, Ottawa, wherever I can get to, because I'm not working those games. I'm just going to sit in the stands high up and just try to identify where are they landmarking the new reality of this game. Will linebackers will have more space to cover. They're about there these days. Will and Mac linebackers are 50% run tackles, 50% pass. They'll have more to do. Uh, I'm interested to see how it affects defensive ends, right? Because every team very deliberately goes, this is my field defensive end. This is my boundary defensive end. And it has to do, I mean, it's as it was explained to me by some good pass rushers, angles coming off that short side. Does that change for them? Now do, does the older veteran sack master defensive end who is that boundary side defensive end have to do more running and chasing and oh god i can't believe yeah. i have to run and tackle again there's there's a lot of ripple effects apart from the one that 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 it was sold to us as as hey that that wide side that's that's coming well, into play now and and i just want to say too that like that is why every time that you make a structural change to your game it is not unlike uh in nature where if you yep. if if one part of the food chain dies, you go, wow, who gives a damn? We don't need bees. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Um, yeah. Our entire food chain supply is completely altered, and now food is more expensive than it's ever been. And oh, I really enjoyed avocados. Why aren't they on the shelves? Well, that's because what? the that's because the bees died. Sorry. What happened to our pollen delivery system? Oh, right, we exterminated it. <laughs> right, and right. I'm not I'm not saying that you know things are going to be killed off because of a four yard difference on on each side. But what I am saying yeah. is for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction and until until you get on the field and you really see the cfl game played with these rules i don't think we fully understand what the ramifications of all of this is going to be i don't think there's going to be some super negative downside to it like we're saying i think it's relatively harmless yeah as you do uh but i just uh yeah i mean it's it added a, a wrinkle for guys like us who like studying tendencies it just added a whole other ball of wax for 2022 didn't it yeah, it, it sure did. So uh, they moved the hash mark in four yards. So yeah. uh, as for, so I went back and I pulled it, and I have the data since 2015, just the width and depth of every throw. Um, I love the you. Field, the field side wide receiver is the deepest targeted position on the field. Let's not kid ourselves. It's the deepest targeted position on the field. I know it's way, way out there, but it has the deepest average target of any player in the Canadian Football League. One of the one of the first reasons I wanted the chart width and depth of targets was because I don't my my initial reaction was I don't think teams can use that that wide side, you know, like they do the boundary side. They hammer 50 yarders down the field side just like they do the boundary side. Sure, it's a fraction shorter. You can see it kind of slope a little bit, but teams still go very deep to that field side. So let's not there's they have no concerns about going to the to that field side. Um, when you break down the field, and, and I won't get too nerdy into the numbers, but I, I broke down the field into numbers to the boundary, numbers to the hash, between the hashes, hash to the far numbers, far number to the far sideline. Teams go between the hashes more than anywhere else in the field. Yep. More than a quarter of the passes are between the hash marks. Makes perfect sense. Um, when you take that area from the far number to the far sideline, we're talking about 12% of the passes thrown. 
you don't do a lot of what you don't hardly ever throw wide screens out that far. So that's a, this is all deep outs, corners goes it's 12% of the past. The theory was we'd like that to be more. And as I looked at the numbers and my initial impression was it's okay. If you wanted to be more, you'd use it already, but we're going to lock four yards out. So here you go. The four yards from the far sideline in is about 3% of the pass plays in the Canadian Football League. The next four yards in is about 4%. The next four yards, which ends at the inside of the far side numbers, is again, 4% of the pass plays. The four yards from the inside of the numbers in is again, 4% of the pass plays. So we're essentially eliminating one segment of four yards which is one segment of four yards, which is 4% of the pass plays and thinking that, well, now teams are going to go bonkers there. Hey, they still go to the, the boundary side in those, in those zones, four yards, four yards, four yards, two to three times as much. Mm-hmm. So we're taking out 4% of the pass plays and hoping it becomes, well, now 6% or the other. What did we do? We changed 80 passes a year. Is that, is this what we're doing? Teams just don't use that space now. And moving it four yards closer by the fact that they don't use it increasingly more in four-yard increments, to me, tells me they're still not going to use that space. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have rail shots. You're going to have shots down the boundary deep, right? Because teams are protected in that pass. It goes out of bounds. Oh, well, I leave it inside. I'm screwed. But if it goes out of bounds, fine. So we're still going to use the boundary. So to me, you're taking out say the area between 28 well 24 and 28 yards away from the hash mark that's that's four percent of the passes that we're redistributing yeah big big hairy deal and to our point they're going to the bound they're probably going to the boundary anyway now yeah. so i don't i really when people go it's really going to open up the game i don't buy it at all i just i for just the where you where you throw the ball now and have for the past six seasons i don't buy it at all yeah, and I totally understand that. And I, I think where I come from on this is where you are targeting, I agree. The question then becomes when the ball is there, what space is, is available? And that's where I find How this. How effective they'll be? Well, just the idea of like, this is really going to put a ton of pressure on open field tackling from defensive backs. That's what this is going to create, I think, is, again, when you... On the you, far side or the short side? I'm saying on both, but really on the field side, because to me, I'm thinking... Interesting. If, if you're lining up in a typical, um, you know, 32 formation or 23, whatever people want to call it, two to the boundary, three to the field, and you take your slot receiver from the boundary, and as the snap comes up, uh, you know, he's flying, you know, kind of an orbit motion in behind the running back. Quarterback goes, quick play action, fake across the face, flips his hips, and throws it out again, like I was talking about with the smoke screen into the boundary. Now you're throwing a bubble screen to the field, and it's the the Z receiver is on the corner, the Y receiver is on the half, uh, the M or whatever R receiver, the interior of the three pack, is got the Sam linebacker. The free safety has to come downhill to make the tackle in space. Well, now mm-hmm. that free safety is coming down, and the outside linebacker in the end again trying to chase down that play from behind is conceivably four yards away from where they had previously been in trying to track down that bubble screen. So now we're playing a game to the field side where it's like, we're, we're going to run the same stuff. We're going to put it out there in space. The question becomes, 
where is the pursuit coming from and how I think we're going to see an explosion in yards after the catch. And it might not just be, it might just not be the super yak stuff because again, I, I just think we have to, to separate where's the ball being targeted versus what spaces is available once the ball is received by, yeah. by the players in open space. And again, it's, it's the, it's the condensation of the box that I think is really going to create this. And I agree with you because those 80 throws a year, that's not a big change. Like, no, no, that, that's not going to create anything. I think what they're looking to create here is once you put the ball out in space, the people that would usually turn and run and track it down from behind, or that would chase it, or that would, I mean, and let's be real about this too, in a game in which you, we're, we're, we just came out of the combine, and I always feel stupid doing this, and I always feel dumb referencing this, as I will on the draft coming up this Tuesday, is that we're saying, ooh, you know, that guy ran a 4-5-6. Oh, that guy ran a 4-6-7. <clears throat> I don't know. This, yeah. is, this is where that becomes real. Because when you condense where the hashes are and people are playing, not necessarily like more inside the box, because just because we squeeze the hashes doesn't mean that everybody's playing with a seven-man front. But it's, no, the, no. it's the idea that wherever they are on the field, now there's more room from that hash to the far sideline. Again, albeit just four yards, where if I'm throwing a bubble screen and I've got an outside linebacker who runs a 4-8 and I've got a slot receiver who runs a 4-6... Right. Now I'm getting that two-tenths advantage as he's got the ball in his hands running to the sideline away, and he's got four extra yards to use that speed advantage. But he's got four fewer yards to use that speed advantage to the field side now. Uh, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, to yeah, the field side. He's, he's, he's got four more to the boundary. He's got four fewer to the field. So if And, and this is the thing. You talked about right. landmarks and stuff like that that we'll watch in preseason. If they just take – if a defense just takes its 12 and moves them four yards over exactly – the, the safety is exactly where he was in relation to the offense, but four yards now to the inside. He's got four fewer yards. Mm -hmm. So if he lines up 15 yards deep, right. he's got 60 square yards less to cover to that side of the field. Yeah. So there's the, the smoke screen to the, to the field side, presumably all things being exactly equal. And we won't know if they will be, but all things being yeah. equal will be easier for Sam half corner safety to come down and get. It's to the it's to the other side where we kind of where we open it all up. But yeah, it's the field side is going to be more congested, all things being equal. What do you think it's going to do to formations? Like what do you because this is this is an interesting topic because mm -hmm. four four by one creates the greatest advantage for you. When you go quads, yeah, typically that creates the greatest offensive advantage for you based on the things that I have looked at. And so I'm wondering now how changing the landmarks will because again, if like you're saying about you move that left hash mark in, that means that when you're going four receivers to the wide side of the field, there's four less yards for them to mm -hmm. be able to operate with. But now you've carved out. I mean, if you want to go four by one and run that smoke screen to the backside to the solo receiver, like a Shaq Evans or a Sheed Bailey, and you want to get your left tackle out and go kill that corner. Now he's got four extra yards. First of all, for the offensive line to run, to run the four extra to get there in time, which will change the, yeah. the angles and the dynamic. But then for the defenders to turn and try and chase, I just, I wonder if we're going to see more quads being used in the CFL game, because that might be one of those impacts of, uh, you know, we, we might see less of the H back and we might see more of the three by three, four by one, four by two empty. Like it, it this might send it a little bit yeah. to the old school days, the eighties and the early nineties. And, and that'll be interesting to, to track. Yeah. How much is for, four to the wide side, one to the short side, three by three. 
and, and apologies to anyone who who's listening and getting confused with how we reference turn. You and I are using wide side and field interchangeably, right? Mm-hmm. The field side is the wide side, is the strong side. Yep. The short side is the boundary side, is the weak side. The, apologies, because I know some people find it confusing, but it's it's the way you and I hey, if, respectively learn if, to talk about it. Yeah. If you're here, you're a nerd. I mean, let's, yeah, let's be real. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, it's there. There's a lot of yeah. It's just there are so many effects that are going to happen, but I just I don't believe that any of them are the main one that we're being sold of. Mm. Zed receivers are going to prosper. Like, okay, well, uh, Curly Gittens Jr. is going to go is going to get f- five extra targets this year. Mike Jones is going to get five extra targets this year. And, and I think no, it's going to I think it's going to be hindsight twenty twenty. Like, don't you see, yeah. like, when Curly Gittens Jr. has 25 more targets this year, people are going to be like, well, see, that's because the hashes were moved. And it's going to be like, yeah. no, it's because Curly Gittens Jr. was going to have a great year. <laughs> well, and, and because they moved him inside to the Y spot, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll, it'll be something else. So, yeah, uh, my overall is I don't think it, I don't think it works the way that, that people are selling it. But to, to what you've been saying and to the numbers that we pointed out, I think it will have an effect that we don't necessarily expect. And. Uh, if I'm betting leading, if you're betting leading receivers in the CFL this season, take the boundary guys. Take yeah. again, don't 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 change that. Take the boundary guys. Take the Duke Williams, Rashid Bailey, uh, Burnham, uh, Lucky yep. Bagleton. I assume will play the boundary in Calgary. Take the boundary guys because there's more space over there, and and man, that's that's going to be uh, it'll make it life hard even harder for boundary halfbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Hardest position on the field, they tell us, and it's getting even harder for them. It's going to be good. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of excited about it, though it yeah. does invalidate a lot of six years oh. worth of data collection on my part. So thanks well, that, for that. Uh, that, that was <laughs> uh, I I totally relate with you on this, and this is very self centered and and egotistical in a way of us. But my first thought was I don't know how to feel about this, and then I got a message from a CFL quarterback being like, "Hey, does this change how you track everything?" I'm like. Yeah, because the geography of the field just changed. And I was like, so uh, it, it doesn't necessarily invalidate it. If we want to put a positive spin on all the work that you and I have done to track throws, it means yeah. that we have an excellent background on the way things used to be. And now we can use that base of understanding to see how it actually changes things. And I think exactly that's the way that we have to look at it. We only got about 10 more minutes here left. I'm wondering your thoughts on the other rule changes. What are some of the things that jumped out for you? Let me hit the, the kickoff one. Yeah. Uh, they take the kickoff and they move the kickoff five yards back, or you can take the ball five yards forward. Um, you could, In the old rules, you could take the ball at the 35, or the average kickoff return of a normal kickoff was about the 35.4. So the, the difference between kick, re- returning it and taking it was negligible, as you can tell by coaches who just went, we're just taking the ball. Um, so this this won't change that in my mind at all. It'll be... Now you take it at the 40 or your average return will be the 40.4. So teams get about five yards worth of field position. Historically for starting drives, it's worth maybe two tenths of a point per drive. It's something it's not, uh, it's not going to shake the world. Um, It's odd when you look at drives that historically have started at the 40, they actually, there's kind of a chasm there. Points per drive actually drop out. So you need to average it out a little differently. It's uh, it's interesting, but five yards more field position, fine. Uh, the punting one is the one I want to yak want to yak about. It's now uh, it used to be against the rules to punt the ball out of bounds on the fly between the twenty yard lines. Yeah. 
they move that to the 15-yard line, making it that much harder for that coffin corner punt that gets me irrationally excited as a play-by-play guy. Oh, my God, it's bouncing out. It's out of the five. Corey Bendix, 75-yarder out of the five. Uh, irrationally excited uh, about that. Uh, it's going to make it a little harder on punters because that's a, that's a pretty – it's a pretty hefty penalty if you boot it out of bounds. I hope the goal of it was to get teams to go for it on third down more often. Because they're already teams generally are already terrible at punting in opponent territory. Punting in opponent territory is, is not you don't get a lot of yards. Average punt from the opponent's 45-yard line is 25 yards. Big hairy deal. You moved them 25 yards. So I hope this. I hope it means that teams will go. Ooh, it's even tougher to get that corner, and the the risk is a little higher. We're going to go for it on third down. I don't. I don't want more long field goals. Though I love my field goal kickers. I don't. I don't love. I don't want want to see a lot of coffin corner punts. Though Rob Maver for life. I love the coffin corner punters. I, I hope that this rule change gets teams to go for it more often on third down. Interesting. Yeah. And again, the ramifications are, I'm not going to say endless and I'm not going to be Mike Greenberg on the NFL draft coverage. The picks are happening fast and furious and we don't know where anybody's going or how anything is happening. And I haven't talked to anybody and I don't know what's happening, but like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to extrapolate it into a million things, but I'll just say it could mean more going forward on third down. It could mean, could mean if you don't have the confidence to be able to kick it out of bounds inside the 15, that you are going to hang the ball high and play it as close as you can. And that might open up more return ability, taking away the ability of team. And specifically, I know uh, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, I believe are the two teams that were notorious for, we would rather take the no yards than allow you to be able to, to use up that. And they were just playing shot for shot as rivals in the West, where it's like the numbers bear out that it makes more sense for us to take this stupid little five yard penalty than to allow you to return the ball cleanly. Uh, with the Super no yards. smart football. Yeah. So yeah, for that, them to, that was for them, a smart football. Exactly. For them to use and abuse that rule, it's like, okay, the league wasn't a huge fan of that. So now they've been able to manipulate that. The, the last one that I will mention uh, that jumps out to me, obviously, as a former quarterback, uh, is the two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Yes. And listen, I could come in here and be a conspiracy theorist, as I am sometimes want to do when it comes to fun football conversations and say, you guys ever heard of the A11 offense that's run by some high schools down in California where you always have, have you ever seen the A11 offense? Uh, this is no. essentially, you know, when you go to watch a flag football game and they'll like snap it 15 yards back to the quarterback. And then one of the receivers will run behind where that quarterback is. And if he gets pressure where the rusher comes, he flips his hips and throws it to the other side of the field. And then he plays from over there. And now he, the, the first quarterback runs down the field as a receiver and the original receiver becomes the quarterback. Listen, that's not what this rule is going to create. <laughs> so I'm not going to come on here and say, hey, you look out for this and brand new shiny offense. What I do think this is, in all honesty, is yes, it'll allow more flexibility, perhaps more quarterback development. But I think, and I haven't talked to anybody about this, and I could be completely off base on this. And if I am, I just don't care because I, I choose to believe and wish that this is why this rule was put in. I hope this is the Trey Ford rule. Because yeah, okay. to, to me... Trey Ford has said, I want the ability to be a quarterback and to play quarterback. And if I can help the team win in any way possible while playing quarterback, that's what I want to do. And the idea of this rule coming in as he's saying that and he's in the draft. I mean, I I just think about 
Trey gets drafted by whoever. He goes into a training camp. They say, we want you to be a quarterback. Uh, again, he's probably going to end up in the NFL practice roster. Otherwise, he's too much of a great athlete not to get his chance down there. But whenever he shows up in the CFL, if he does show up ever in the CFL, he gets on a roster, he goes through a training camp. They say, yeah, you're the second quarterback, third quarterback, whatever. They dress him, and he's just standing on the sidelines. Like, he's in development. He's learning how to throw the ball at, at a higher level, more efficient, more accurate, whatever it might be, little things he has to tweak and work on in his game. But do you really want a guy who runs a 4-5 at quarterback standing on the sidelines? Like, that's not good for anybody. Yeah. Now, now the question is, are you willing to take, I don't know, let's say he gets drafted, random thought here by Ottawa. Do you want to take Masoli off the field to put Trey Ford on the field? Not really. I, I think we'd be better off if we have them both on the field. Well, how can we mix and match that? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure Paul Lapolis will have fun with that. Yeah. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's where I'm coming from with this is like, I, I don't think this is exclusively because of Trey, but in my mind, this makes it almost like a meeting of the minds between, hey, you're an incredible athlete, but you really want to play quarterback. And you might only come to the CFL if you have the promise of playing quarterback. Let us give you the open door to be on the field, develop, but also get your chances to show how great of a football player you are. There, there are a lot of guys who could benefit from this. You used, we'll see how OCs end up using it. You mentioned Lapalise. Jason Moss will have some stuff. Like there, there's going to be some guys who, who figure out how to take advantage of this. Uh, my mind immediately went to, can you imagine if uh, Matt Nichols and Chris Trevler could have been on the field at the same time? How honestly, how how much they could have screwed with other teams in quick game? Like Nichol, Nichols runs a regular pass pattern, throws a slant to Darvin Adams, second and three, throws a throws a, a wide side screen to Strebler, makes sure it's behind the line of scrimmage. Now Strebler, who is the most effective runner in the Canadian Football League when he played, can either run for it. He can maybe throw it to somebody. Some stuff can really get on here. Oh, it's second and one. Okay, Strebler's already on the field. We're immediately into our package. We're going to go. Oh, no, he's throwing on second and, and from a sneak formation. There's going to be there's going to be a few plays a year where you go, oh, man, this is this is great. And you start to think of the guys who could be effective as the number two guy in the set in the second quarterback system. Uh, I, I've ripped endlessly on Dominic Davis, but. Dominic Davis yep. taking a, a wide side pass. That cat can run. That cat can throw the ball enough that the guy's wide open. Okay, Dominic Davis. What about uh, Montreal? Oh, now Trevor Harris is under center and Vernon Adams is out wide. Oh, okay. Well, now we can do some stuff with Vernon Adams. Like Adams is obviously the number one QB there, but there's a lot of ways in which your second quarterback might is isn't your. 25th best player right he might be your 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 third best player yeah so yeah i'm i'm very excited to see what they can do there's going to be some trickeration as they used to say um yeah but as as a development tool i i like the thought of that because some of these guys are never getting on the field and we want to see them get on the field because there's value i just in the exact trey ford case hope it doesn't mean oh hey trey you're now we silently made you a receiver when you weren't looking Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I think that this is you're playing on kind of a dangerous game of the back and forth of whether or not is he a quarterback? And again, this is a conversation for down the road, but this is just kind of where my mindset went to, because it's exactly what you're talking about. I'm afraid that 
they open the door and they allow him to be a quarterback, quote unquote, yeah. but he's doing all this receiver stuff. I think by saying two quarterbacks can be on the field at the same time, you're no longer saying, hey, you're going to dress as a quarterback, but then go into the game and be playing receiver and we'll only let you do receiver stuff. Now it's like, if you wanted to, let's, you know, crazy hypothetical, just something that ran through my mind again, playing fantasy mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. If you have, let's say, a pocket passer and a, and a, a really athletic backup, who might not be as polished, you could go put them both on the field on first down and call it, you know, your, your turbo package or your hybrid package, whatever. And it's a certain set of personnel. They go on the field, they run a play on first down. It's a quick little slant completion. Then you go hurry up. And when you go into hurry up, you sprint to the line of scrimmage, pocket passer goes to the wide side wide receiver. uh, And you have six plays that are in this turbo or this hybrid package. And the athletic quarterback is going into the backfield. And now he's running wildcat essentially with like a zone read concept up front. Well, now the defense hasn't had the ability to substitute because you didn't substitute because you're going, you're, you're going hurry up, but you're throwing a completely different offense at them from snap to snap. And and that's where I think you're really going to see the two quarterback stuff come in is if the personnel is right, if you can find those packages that you like, and you have guys who can execute the offensive line, it doesn't change a damn thing. It's about changing quarterback from wide side receiver into quarterback and vice versa. And then having the other parts around it where we can go base passing offense with a quarterback at wide out versus having an interior downhill inside zone running game with a really athletic quarterback who can bust it for 60 yards. That's going to be fun. And I can't wait for somebody to put in a hurry up package that looks like that. So I I think what we're saying here is the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to win the Grey Cup, right? (laughs) Because Jeremiah Masoli, just as you were saying that, I, I, I went to the one I forgot. Jeremiah Masoli, Caleb Evans. Oh yeah. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Caleb Evans. For all his incredible uh, ability to throw the ball to defenders this past season, that cat can move. Masoli can move. Like, oh, and Masoli, Masoli's a better passer. Uh, there's the, oh, and oh, by the way, who's the offensive coordinator yeah. in Ottawa? Yeah. Paul Lapolis? <laughs> Paul Lapolis? Oh, my God. We got, oh, man. I, I got to double down on my Red Blacks to win the Grey Cup because <laughs> – yeah, I'm I, I'm just excited. Um, and honestly, yeah, is it just just more? Is there is it a, an incentive to get a Canadian quarterback on the field too? Canadian receiver comes off, Canadian quarterback goes on in a secondary position. Are you taking Are you taking Duke Williams off the field to get a second quarterback on in Saskatchewan? No, you're you're not. So uh, you got Canadian for Canadian. If you're at seven on the ratio, oh, maybe there's something in there. So uh, again. All these things, all all these rules, the the fifteen yard no yards, uh, that one seems to be. I understand what teams will do with that. I am so excited to have nine super smart uh, yeah. offensive coordinators and nine super smart special teams coordinators, and then DCs as well. What can I do with this rule? How am I going to push it? Where is this going to go? How is Chris Jones going to find the super backdoor way in into it? <laughs> exploit this rule. I, I I love that because you let smart people, you force smart people to think in a different way, and they're going to come up with some amazing answers. And hopefully, that means uh, more 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 CFL fun for us because this this league is a ton of fun, even when they weren't scoring points. That 21 season was still fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I'll also say this on the way out here that uh, I mentioned Demetrius Sinodinos, who is a former Vanier College quarterback, played at McGill. He's in the CFL draft this year. He had the most athletic 
quarterback workout at a CFL combine ever until Trey Ford beat him a week later. So (laughs) he's in the draft this year, super athletic quarterback, undersized guy, likely not going to be drafted. But if he gets picked up by a team put on a roster and they have a couple of injuries and he has to be on the roster as the two or the three, well, then this package that we're talking about, there's so many scenarios where it's like established guy needs to stay on the field for 95% of your snaps. But that other 5%, if you got an athletic backup or somebody who's just on the roster because of injuries, now you start to allow things to to dance a little bit. So I do want to give a little bit of love here because we have the CFL draft coming up on TSN. Uh, One more before you go, Marsh. Yeah. What about young Brad Sinopoli? Oh, God. What would that have looked like? Oh, my gosh. You just made me think of that. What would Brad, young Brad Sinopoli have looked like? Just it would have been the best. Chew, just, folks listening, just chew on what would young Brad Sinopoli have looked like in the Henry Burris, Kevin Glenn, Bo Levi Mitchell. Oh, ah. mm, mm. Dude, oh, give, I love it. give me old Brad Sinopoli. He still would have been so crafty with a double quarterback setup that, I mean, he was doing quarterback stuff at receiver anyways. Outside of, yeah. I think my, ah. fa- my favorite play in CFL history is the Brad Sinopoli dribble kick that went so t- terrifyingly wrong. <laughs> I don't know why I love that play so much. I'm just like, I love that Rick Campbell was like, you know what, just to get a free set of downs, we're going to throw a backwards behind the line of scrimmage. It'll count as a punt. He can recover his own kick as long as it goes past the line of scrimmage. Oh no, he didn't do it correctly. This looks as dumb as you could like you imagine being an American and tuning in and going, why is that skinny Canadian guy from Peterborough dribble kicking the ball and trying to recover it himself? Yeah, it's one of the best, but the the draft is coming up. TSN has got coverage for you. Myself, uh, Duano, Davis, Farhan, uh, we're going to be on the panel for you coming up on 8 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday evening, I'll also have the CFL Global Draft live stream for you from the CFL head offices in Toronto at noon on Tuesday, if you want to check that out. Uh, we're on TSN for the first two rounds, then we're on TSN.ca streaming for the remainder of the draft. And I wanted to drop in some of my background here just on the way out of uh, just some U sports schools that deserve recognition going into these things, because I don't know if I'll be able to shoehorn these into the broadcast. Hopefully, I'll give U sports schools as much love as I can, because hey, that's the thing I like doing. But U sports draft streaks, active draft streaks for years where they've had a player taken in the CFL draft. The top okay. top two teams tied at 20 years in a row with players taken in the CFL draft, Calgary and Laval, right? You would expect yeah, Calgary and Laval be. to be right there. After that, it's Western with 18 years in a row that they've had a player taken, UBC at 10, and then it goes, oh, wow. yeah, pretty impressive. And then it's Guelph with nine, Mac with nine, and Montreal with nine. Alberta, seven. Carlton, what? Yeah. Uh, How have I not had the Huskies yet? Oh, my goodness. Really? <laughs> uh, Carlton, five. Laurier, five. York, four. Manitoba, three. Saskatchewan, three. Regina, two. Mount Allison, one. St. Mary's, one. And all other draft streaks were broken uh, last year because Acadia, Bishops, Concordia, McGill, Ottawa, Queens, Sherbrooke, St. FX, Toronto, Waterloo, and Windsor didn't have a player taken, albeit in a shorter draft, I believe. So, um, wow. but yeah, 20 years in a row that Laval and, and by the way, they're going to have multiple players taken this year. So you can just write down 21 beside each of those. Now, this is exactly. the other one for you. Top 20 picks from U Sports schools total in the last 10 years. Calgary in the last 10 years has had 19 top 20 selections in the CFL. Laval has 18. The drop-off from Calgary and Laval, 19 and 18 top 20 selections in the last 10 years. In, in third place is McMaster and Montreal tied at eight apiece. It goes from 19 to 18 to eight. 
Yeah, I get it. Yeah. It drops I, off a cliff. It's shocking, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So anyways, we'll have some fun with that and all the players and all the breakdowns that you want. Uh, DT, thank you, man. Thank you for bringing the numbers and bringing the heat as always. That was strong stuff on the hashes and uh, in the kicking game as well. And I know that we'll be talking about it as we go throughout the whole year. So I appreciate mm-hmm. the, uh, the insight that you offered up. Next time we have a podcast together, I will be in the city of Winnipeg and I may have a new Twitter handle. So DT on SC, it might have to go. It might have to. I've secured the rights to DT on OB for CJOB. Um, But I I really like that blue check mark. So I got to (laughs) figure I got to put my head together with with some some folks at Chorus to find out exactly what I should be doing now. I feel like my Canadian football perspective needs to just send like a letter of of, uh, reference to Twitter head people like Elon Musk, right? And just say, Hey, Elon, I know you're trying to solve a lot of things. Can you just fix this one first? Like DT needs to be able to keep the blue check mark, no matter what the hell he wants his name to be. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks brother. Thank you.